Hello, and welcome to the Nashville Sounding Board, the podcast dedicated to discussing social and political issues in the Nashville community. I'm your host, Benjamin Eagles. Views that I express on this podcast and on my social media accounts are mine alone and do not reflect the views of the Metropolitan Government of Nashville and Davidson County. I was really excited to be able to record this episode and talk with Councilmember Sherry Weiner and Jim Shulman at the same time. Of course, they're both vying to be Nashville's next vice mayor, and I hope this podcast goes a long way in helping you decide who you're going to vote for. Thank you for listening, and if you haven't already, please subscribe, leave a rating or review, and share this podcast with your friends. Hope you enjoyed the episode. So thanks so much for both of you for coming on on the podcast. This is a real treat. I know that the vice mayor's race has not gotten enough attention, and so it's good to have you both on. Thank you for having us. Thank you. We'll get started off. The Election Commission has said that this runoff is going to cost about $500,000. Of course, the third candidate, Del Rossi, pulled just enough of the vote uh, to force it to a runoff. Council Lady Wiener, you got a higher percentage of the vote in the general. Um, and now for the runoff, you guys didn't want to just flip a coin to save Metro about half a million dollars amidst this, this revenue we, shortfall? If we had flipped a coin, it wouldn't have mattered. We would have still had a runoff because that's the way the charter's written. Okay. Actually, it happened a while back uh, when mm-hmm. Bill Purcell right. uh, and uh, Dick Fulton ran, uh, and I think Jay West was maybe the third candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill Purcell got close to 50%, but he didn't get 50% plus one. Um, and uh, the second closest candidate was Dick Fulton, who got right. somewhere in the, like, maybe in the low 20%. Uh, and Mr. Fulton said, um, you know, I'm not going to campaign. I'm, uh, you know, it was uh, Mr. Purcell basically has won, but they had the election anyway. So uh, Sherry's right. Um, the election goes on whether we participate or not. That's just the way it's written. So I want to give each of you an opportunity to kind of briefly sum up your background and what drove you to run. We'll talk later about your agenda, but just in your own words, kind of what is each of your, your backgrounds and why you're running for vice mayor. All right, I'll go first. So um, Jim Shulman, I am a um, originally a um, resident of Johnson City, Tennessee. That's where I was born. Uh, my parents are from both up north and uh, moved to Johnson City for business purposes. Um, went to school in Johnson City, grew up in Johnson City, moved to Nashville in 1978 to go to Vanderbilt. Uh, went to Vanderbilt undergrad and law school and um, have um, been in the Nashville ever since. So I've been here for 40 years. Uh, district councilman from Green Hills, served from 1999 through 2007. Uh, took eight years off and then decided to run again when I saw some issues that I really thought needed to be addressed. So I've been an at-large council member since um, 2015. Um, during my uh, the day, um, um, because obviously council um, uh, council members are part-time, I am the executive director of the Tennessee Commission on Aging and Disability and have been since 2012. Um, and so that's me. And I'm Sherry Weiner. I'm a doctor of audiology. Because I like the SEC so much, I went to my undergrad at University of Georgia, got my master's at University of Tennessee, and then got my doctorate at University of Florida. 
So like I said, to say I like the SEC is an understatement. Having said that, I moved to Nashville in 81, and that's where I've raised my children and um, had three practices early on, grew those to five hearing services at Tennessee, all over Middle Tennessee, and um, took care of the hearing impaired, lots of musicians. Uh, I was the actually the first audiologist in the country to do ear monitors, um, so that's been an interesting twist to my career. Uh, got involved in the Bellevue community. Early on, I was uh, president of the Bellevue Chamber, of the Exchange Club, and um, really involved in my HOA as president for three years. Uh, because of my work in the community, uh, a group came to me in 2011 and asked me to run for council so that I could help renovate Bellevue, and that's what we've done. We've transformed it. We um, have a new library, a new fire hall, getting a new community center, uh, brought the predators to the community, transformed uh, one Bellevue place is is now the, the new big anchor shopping center over there with a little bit of everything. Um, last year when I was elected unanimously by the council to sit in as presiding officer and then move to um, take on this role in March, it's been an interesting twist on something I really didn't expect to happen. And because of my relationships with everybody in the council, it's been um, it's been a great, great engagement with everybody. And so this election only determines a one-year term until another election next year. Do you see this as an election really for five years? Do you plan to run next year if you lose, or would you be content with the other person serving basically for, for five years? Personally, I want to get through this one first. Okay. Yeah, I think you have to get through this election first, and then you take a look at it. Um, and you also can't say that um, there are not other people out there, obviously, that may want to run for vice mayor as well. Um, obviously, with all the different things that happened um, – uh, the mayor's election went first this time. Um, I think we're setting a record for a number of, for the number of elections that we've had in Nashville and Davidson County over this year. Um, but um, you know, there was certainly lots of talk about the mayor's race and whether that was just a continuity thing or not. Um, the mayor will have to run um, next year, just like everybody else. So this is a one-year um, term. Basically, it fills out the the remaining year of this Metro Council term. Um, and then we'll see. But uh, yeah, I think Sherry's right. I think we I think we get through this election first. And I think a lot of people aren't terribly familiar with the role of the vice mayor. We got a lot more familiar with it following Mayor Barry's scandal and resignation and Vice Mayor uh, David Briley stepping in to become mayor. A lot of people think of it as vice president and don't really know what vice mayor does. It's still a part-time job. The main role is to preside over the council meetings. But can each of you kind of describe how you conceptualize the role of, of vice mayor? I think that the way I approach it is a real business-centric approach, and it's operational in nature. It's maintaining the continuity and the flow of the meetings. It is identifying, if you want to compare it to HR, it's identifying the profile of the council members that would be chairing a committee or would sit on that committee. And you want to look at who is most appropriate um, to sit on those committees and move forward the initiatives within the scope 
of each committee. You want to make sure that you have somebody that has um, the opportunity and the willingness to sit down and and bring everybody in the room with diverse perspectives together and have conversation about things that matter and find common ground and work out ways to make those things happen. So it it, it obviously is about running the the council meetings. Um, you know, picking the uh, the committees and picking the chairs of the committees. Um, and you're, um, you know, when you reference the vice president, I guess you could say we're um, uh, one heartbeat away from being mayor. So it, it does um, rise to some level of importance in terms of uh, who you select as vice mayor. Um, but I think you can also do more with it. Um, uh, and that probably goes into, you know, why, um, why we run. Um, I think you can help focus the agenda. Um, obviously, when um, council members ran three years ago, there were certain things that we were all interested in, you know, whether it's affordable housing, transportation, um, overdevelopment, things like that. Uh, so you can get the council um, by either formulating committees or, or trying to address the existing committees to focus in on some of those issues and actually try to look at those issues and get some things accomplished. I think you can also do um, – couple of other things. Um, um, educating the, the folks that come into the chamber. Um, you know, we have people that show up for the first time and um, they're just trying to figure out what the, what the council is up to. So you can certainly um, make sure that people understand, you know, what's on the agenda that night. We certainly get a lot of people up for public hearings um, and they get confused sometimes about what it means to get a bill through public hearing. You know, people defer after second hearing. Sometimes the before they defer before public hearing. And so people sometimes come into the council meeting and leave not really knowing what um, happened to the measure that they were interested in. And so I think the idea is I think the vice mayor, um, and whether it's uh, Sherry or myself, I think you, um, you can certainly educate the public as to what's going on within the chamber. And I think I want to add, one thing to that, and I think it's really pertinent for everybody to understand, one of the initiatives that Jim and I were in charge of last year was the transparency and inclusionary piece of what happens in the council and bringing more of the community and let them engage more with us. And to that end, I started those public comment periods in July so that we can bring people into the council, and we'll be doing it tonight again, so that people have two or three minutes to speak to us about anything, whether it's on the agenda or not. And so that's a great opportunity for people to get involved in in what's going on in the room and maybe bring things to us that we wouldn't have known about had it not come to us otherwise. And then additionally, we are have put on a road show where we went out to the community and several of the council members would go. We, I think we did, what, nine of them last time? And we'll be doing those again as well because they turned out to be extraordinarily useful, I think, for us and for the public. Yeah, and I think um, uh, one of the things that was mentioned during those, uh, those road shows was um, a Metro Council 101 class, um, which I think you could do. You could actually take that on the road um, not that everybody's clamoring to come to a, a, an hour-long presentation on the Metro Council, uh, but there are people that really do want to engage. And um, so the idea of a basic Metro Council 101 class was basically, how does that work? 
if people do want to engage, how do they find council members? How does the process work? How do they get legislation if they're interested, uh, either filed or watched? You could actually put that on the Metro Nashville network. Um, and so if people are for the first time, or maybe they just haven't been for a while, they really do want to come and engage, particularly at a public hearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can watch this and um, kind of understand before they get there how the whole thing works. Two frustrations for me as someone who frequently sits at home on the Tuesday late night watching these meetings on Channel 3 is there's no ticker, ESPN style or CNBC style, of what's coming up next and what are we listening to now. I feel like that would be an easy thing to add. And then Council Lady Wiener, you brought up the enhanced public hearings. Could we move those to a separate night? I know that that's been discussed a lot, but a lot of times you're watching the public hearing for an hour and a half, and then the really important issue, whether it's transit or soccer, gets gets brought up when all of you are just exhausted and ready to go home. So you're talking about the enhanced public hearing or the standard public hearings for zoning issues that come on the first council meeting? I would say... Maybe either one or both. Okay. So the ones that get really long are the ones that are the first council meeting of the month. Mm -hmm. And those are the ones that can get so very protracted. The Edge Hill one lasted for close to two hours. Exactly. Exactly. And those are the ones that when we anticipate, take soccer, for example, we have a meeting specially set for that public hearing next week. And we did that so that, to your point, we didn't sit there for three or four hours and then have to go in to a full-on meeting. And so this is something that's been discussed at length. And we have before taken issues that we knew to be contentious and have moved them to another night. So I'm just glad that you um, watch these things late at night. And I hope <laughs> you stayed up until 2 o'clock in the morning um, uh, keeping an eye on what uh, the council was doing. Um, one of the things I would say is uh, I like the ticker idea. Um so if you sit in the back of the chamber, you can actually see there's a television screen that has the agenda. Right. But it, it just mentions, you know, where we are at the, at the current time. So if you're not lucky enough to walk in and get um, an agenda, then you may just have to watch that television screen. If you're at home watching, like you're talking about, you may not know exactly what's coming up. And, um, you know, you may want to, um, particularly if we're stuck on a, a measure at public hearing. We didn't get out of public hearing until I think 11.30 or 12 last time. Um, if you're interested on something on, on second reading, um, you may take a look at the scrolling agenda and determine that uh, you have time to um, go fix dinner, uh, maybe go to a movie, come back, <laughs> you know, take a nap or whatever, because um, you could have done all those things in the current time waiting for second reading to come up. So I think we're always looking for ideas. Uh, I do like the ticker idea. That's a really that's a, good idea. I think it's a good idea, and we see if we can do it. So let's jump into soccer for a moment. That's probably the most contentious issue in, in council, um, certainly right now. What are each of your stances on the soccer vote? What do you think of the process of how the administration has gone about negotiating the deal and uh, presenting it to council? And how do you plan to vote specifically on the demolition vote, which is the higher threshold of, of uh, 27 votes. How do you plan to, to vote on that? Um, so the measures are obviously up in front of us tonight. I think we have five. Um, we have a uh, call for a referendum. Uh, we have uh, Councilman Glover's bill that says that you can't do anything with the 10 acres. That just cuts that off. 
And then you have the, the three, I think it's three measures that are actually pushing towards uh, actually doing uh, this whole program or this whole um, deal. Um, the council members were not engaged in the first part of it in terms of when it was initially brought. Um, uh, but after that, we've been having meeting after meeting trying to figure out all the things that are going on with this thing. Um, so I've been voting um, uh, to approve uh, the, the soccer deal. I think when it first came before the council, um, when the administration first talked to us about um, soccer proposal, we knew that was coming. We didn't know anything about the 10 acres. And I like to say that when it was mentioned that there were 10 acres involved, I think if you had taken a look at most of the council members in the room, our mouse would have dropped. Um, had no idea that was going. That was part of the negotiated deal before um, we ever saw it. At what point did you become aware of the 10 acres for private development? It was at the first um, – it was at one of the first meetings when Rich Reeling presented kind of the overall soccer plan. It was a, a presentation to the entire council. Um, and, you know, it was one of those things where we were talking about where it's going to go and what it's going to look like. And then he uh, mentions that there are 10 acres involved. Um, and what month was that? Uh, that would have been back uh, last year, maybe in August or whatever, because we voted it on the – It was before the November. Vote. It was voted in, on it was in before November. before the revenue bond right. vote. Mm -hmm. So um, at that point, there was a lot of what in the world is that? Um, Look, I mean, uh, to, for one of the, for Nashville to be one of the cities that got soccer, that's that's amazing. Um, you know, we were way down in the competition uh, with uh, Mr. Ingram and uh, the folks working with his group uh, to move up that quickly says a tremendous amount about the city of Nashville. Um, but then we had to work out the details. So we get the the soccer team, and all of a sudden now we have to figure out what how we go about doing all this stuff. You know, I've, I've, I've been out to the site. I went out to the speedway. Uh, the charter, the charter says we can't, we can't mess with the speedway or the fair or the flea market. And I'll tell you what, I, I don't want to mess with those. Those are longstanding traditions. The charter says they've got to stay. Um, the only thing I'd like to do is make them better. Um, you know, the speedway, I'd like to see us put some investment into that. I don't, I, I don't want to see it go anywhere. Um, so we have to figure out how to make all this stuff coexist. Um, long story short, you know, what we've been asking for is how does this all coexist with scheduling and with parking and everything else? I've had my discussions with the soccer folks. I've had my discussions with the folks from the fairgrounds. The reason I um, ended up feeling like this was the right thing to do was at the meetings that we had before that November vote, um, the crowds that came out and the diverse nature of the crowds and the people who were working together to get this thing done indicated that this was something good for Nashville and that it would bring people together. And once I heard that, it was like, I'm, I'm there. So um, j just to answer your question, I'm voting for it. Um, I'd like to see all, the, all these things get worked out. Um, you know, they've been working on parking. Uh, the, the, um, seems like they've got the scheduling down. There's a uh, um, community benefits agreement they're finalizing. All those things are good things. Um, and um, on the five bills that are up tonight, um, uh, we made our decision. The council made the decision in November to approve these bonds. 
Um, there are certain bills, obviously, that are being filed to kind of slow this process down or to stop it altogether. Um, but we've been working on it. Uh, we made a decision a long time ago that this was a good deal. And so I'm voting for it. One one quick follow-up before we get to Council Lady Wiener's response about soccer. Last night at the Budget and uh, Finance Committee, you voted against suspending the rules that would have allowed a referendum on the general obligation bonds of $50 million to go before the voters. And so I'm wondering if your motivation for supporting soccer was largely from seeing the crowds and basically gauging the public opinion on the kind of a micro level of who chose to come out to the meeting. Why would you not be in favor of a referendum where you could get a really accurate reading on what the body of voters thinks about soccer. And that's a fair question. Um, So um, with all due respect to Congressman Cooper, who brought it. um, Councilman. I'm sorry. uh, Well, his brother, Councilman Cooper. Right. Um, This comes kind of at the last minute. I mean, we have these measures right in front of us ready to vote. Um, um, When we approved the bonds back in November, there were certain conditions placed on everything that has to be done. If we really wanted to have a referendum, we should have put it. Uh, we should have put it on the ballot then. You know, obviously it's money and it's taxpayer money, but we spend. Uh, you know, on the capital spending plans, we spend two hundred and fifty million dollars, and we don't put that in front of the the public. Um, we were elected to do a job. Um, if everybody wanted a referendum at that point, that's when it should have been done. That's when it was supposed to have been placed um, in front of the voters. But we approved it in November, and people have been working ever since then to get this stuff done. There are obligations that are out there. Um, now, was that vote for the revenue bonds exclusively, or was it also in November for the $50 million in GO bonds? I think it's um, – I'd have to go back, but I th- it was uh, – it basically solidified the deal for the bonds. Uh, and I'd have to go back to make sure we did it, but um, – or exactly what was in it, but um, – that's when we. That's when this whole thing started. That's when the uh, the council determined through a vote that we should proceed ahead. Um, and again, I mean, we've had meeting after meeting working through this stuff, um, and there are big commitments that are out there to do this. Now, in the end, uh, the council can either vote this thing up or down. We have a twenty-seven vote commitment on, you know, whether we tear anything down or not. Um, on the fairgrounds. That's that's by charter. Um, so nobody wants to do away with the speedway. Nobody wants to do away with that. Um, but these last-minute things are designed to get away from simply having the vote, which means are the votes there to do this or not? So um, good question. Um, but um, it's a little late in the ballgame now to be trying to change the, the plan. Uh, we just need to move forward, and if the council wants to vote for it, they can. If they don't, then we don't vote for it. As a quick note of clarification, the Metro Council vote at the November 7th, 2017 meeting authorized the Sports Authority to issue $225 million in revenue bonds for the soccer stadium, but it did not include authorization of the $50 million of general obligation bonds. MLS, it has consumed us. And that's a good thing because it's an important topic. When I look at things, when I look at issues, I, again, put my business hat on. And 
I'll use the analogy of what happened in Bellevue. We had an area that was falling apart, and it was a real drain on the community, on area businesses, on home values. And one thing that the um, Save Our Fairgrounds folks wants is this property to continue in perpetuity, and rightfully so. Um, I took my kids there forever, you know, growing up. There was always something out there that we wanted to go to. So I'm a big believer in the fairgrounds. Having said that, I also think it's important for us to invest in the future of a community. And so when I look at it, I want to see what kind of cost-benefit analysis I can look at. I want to know, are we going to create jobs? Are we going to create um, sales tax revenue? Are we going to create opportunity for new business to new businesses to come in? Are we going to enhance the community as a whole? Are we going to give people quality of life? I look at that um, community benefits agreement. I haven't seen that yet, and I'm really kind of holding out to know what that's going to look like. I think that we have that big unanswered question, and I need to see how far the team is willing to go. And I think that there are other council members who are sitting in that same place. Having said all that, I support the team. I support the opportunity that the whole project offers for the fairgrounds and for Nashville. Um, when you look at cost-benefit, you also have to look at what is that going to do from a social perspective. And from a social perspective, if you're bringing children and families from all walks of life together to enjoy something that everybody can afford to go to and that everybody can benefit from, whether it's team practices, whether it's community engagement all over the county, there's nothing bad about that. And I think the opportunity is enticing, it's exciting, and we need to make sure all the details are worked out. So your vote is contingent on what's included in the community benefits agreement? I, I will, if if it's put to me... Um, tonight, and if, I, and if I have to vote, um, because as presiding officer, I have not been voting. But if it comes to the point that on any of those bills I need to vote, I will vote to move it to third reading. Okay. And you mentioned cost-benefit analysis. I know there's been an economic impact study of soccer and of that stadium and what it would do to that neighborhood. Has there been a full cost-benefit analysis done? No. And would you like to see that happen? What's kind of the protocol for getting cost-benefit analysis on large capital projects? Up to now, they don't do as deep a dive into that as they should, and that's one of the things that the council, you'll see us move forward with future proposals, that that will be one of the things that we require. We'll also look at um, setting criteria for which we use to judge these different proposals that come to us. You want to add anything to that? Well, I think... Um this council has um, has struggled with this issue uh, for various reasons. Um, um, there were some efforts made early on uh, because we have uh, several council members that do a really good job of uh, drilling down into these things. But there's been an effort to try to come up with some way of analyzing these economic development deals um, on the front end so you can actually – if you can come up with some type of formula where you run the numbers, determine whether it really is worth it. Um, That's why we're setting those criteria. So we've been um, we've looked at other cities. It's there's not a ready-made formula. You know what what is the standard that we use? Uh, it can't be just that um, 
they're going to go away if we don't do it. That doesn't really work. Um, so you, uh, it'd be nice to come up with some set formula, but uh, in terms of looking around, I can't find one. Well, and I think, too, it's important, and I know Jim would agree, it's important that we set what our priorities are. So what's more important? Is it going to be creation of jobs? Is it going to be revenue? You know, we need to diversify our revenue portfolio so that we don't rely so heavily on property taxes. That's great. But where does that stack up in our list of priorities in terms of evaluating these proposals? And to Jim's point, there's no hard and fast formula out there. You have to set what your community's priorities are and make it a Nashville criteria set. And, and there's another part to it, and I guess that because um, we've seen that also on this council term, um, if the council, if uh, you know, the mayor proposes and the council agrees to uh, do some type of development deal, um, the question is further down the road, um, looking back and seeing whether it actually did what it was supposed to do. So um, we've run into some situations where we've um, contracted things out and then um, um, I guess the fair way to say it is that we Metro has not done as good of a job as they should have in terms of following up and monitoring. So um, whether it's on a, just a contractual matter or whether it's on a, um, a big development deal, I think um, we owe it to the public to actually make sure we follow up you know, several years down the road or whatever, maybe particularly first year and then several years down the road and just keep following it to see whether it was actually worth the effort we put in because we should always be learning from these things to figure out whether they actually work or not. And so um, it's really important to also look at the multi-pronged approach that we're taking. We've got the Blue Ribbon Commission that we instituted that's going to take a deep dive to see if we can find at least $20 million so we can reinstitute the COLA. Um, we want to additionally look at, and we have a, a separate set of council members who are going to uh, take a deep dive, if you will, and look for, um, in addition to those cost savings that the mayor's commission will be looking at, but we're going to look at processes. We're going to look at where do we guess, get the best bang for our buck? Um, where are the inefficiencies in what we do and how can we streamline many of the things that we do? And, and ultimately, that's going to make government work better and it's going to make it more responsive and hopefully save money in the meantime. Switching gears now to talk about the Community Oversight Board. Following the officer-involved shooting death of Daniel Hambrick, the push for the referendum for a community uh, oversight board has gotten a lot more attention. Council Lady Weiner, you issued a statement that got a lot of attention. You said perhaps it's time for Chief Anderson to go, essentially. I guess if you could talk about that statement, your views on uh, community oversight, and then Councilman Shulman as well, where do you stand on that? How do you plan to vote on the community oversight board? So let me clarify my statement. My statement was that we need to consider new leadership. It, it certainly and, was interpreted much more strongly in the articles about it than right. when you actually read the statement. Right. But it got right. a lot of attention. It did. And um, I'll share how I came to that conclusion. Again, putting on my business head, if you're in corporate America and you have a corporation with a CEO and the CEO of that corporation does not listen to or move forward um, on a strategic initiative that's been put forward 
by the board of directors, think body cameras, think Metro Council, think Chief Anderson and the police department, and you have employees who are put at risk and the public that's put at risk as a result of inaction, then what any corporation or corporate board of directors is going to do is they're going to evaluate the appropriateness of that leadership. If that person can then move forward and move ahead with those initiatives and um, create a better environment, then they stay. And if they can't, then they go. And I just see it as clear cut as that. And I think it's appropriate. My dad was an officer. I grew up in the world of policing 45 years plus. And so this is a world I lived in. And um, when my dad was out on patrol, he wore a little audio pocket recorder. And the reason he wore his pocket recorder was that he wanted to have um, a recording of any public engagement for his protection. Those body cameras are no different. And so what we have are two young men who are dead, and we have two officers whose careers and lives are ruined. And if we had had clarity about what happened, and if we had had those body cameras, we wouldn't have a community that is literally at each other's throats over this. And it's really unfortunate. As far as the Community Oversight Board, um, I believe it should go to referendum. I think that it, the community is involved. The public is involved. They have a right to go forward and move ahead and, and vote on it. I think they do. Um, personally, I think it goes a little too far. Um, I think that I, as an audiologist, am not equipped to tell a police officer um, how to do his or her job because there's a lot of training that goes into that. And so um, un unless there's a way that we can um, tweak the extremity of of the COB, um, I probably could not support it in the form it is right now. Although I do fully support that we need something that can bring people together and, and have an opportunity to um, evaluate these things and offer suggestions of, of how we might improve uh, perceived problematic relationships. I know that changing their training protocols is going to be a big piece of it. So was your statement then more about the delay in instituting the body cameras and yes. less about his handling of the the shooting? Yeah. Okay. And then in both of these cases, but I think particularly in, so in the case of Jacques Clemens' death, there was video. In the case of Daniel Hambrick's death, there was, I think, higher quality video. Body cameras, of course, would add clarity to that situation, another angle, higher def probably because it was very grainy footage. What was your reaction, though, watching the video from the MLK school of Hamburg being shot and killed by the officer? And are you still comfortable saying, as an, as an audiologist, I don't know if that was appropriate? Well, as an audiologist, that's not in my scope of practice. Of course, but um, as an elected official. As perhaps. an elected official, I was very um, distressed watching the video, as anybody would be. Um, quite frankly, when I was watching it, the only thing I kept thinking about is this poor child's mother was watching it, too. Hmm. So, Councilman Schulman, what are your takes on the community oversight board? Well, I'll start with that, and we can go the other way. Um, so I signed the petition. Um, to put it um, um, on, on the ballot as a referendum. Um, 
Mainly because um, we've been talking about this issue for some time now. I know um, groups like NOAA have been working on it. Other folks have been working on it. Uh, it did come before the council at one point, but nobody had talked to each other, so uh, the council was not ready to move ahead. Um, but at some point, um, we have to bring people together. Uh, this this issue is not going to go away, um, and we're going to, you know, you hope we don't have any more situations like this, but uh, one was too many. Now we've got two, and we probably had more than that. So, you know, I have a tremendous amount of respect for the police. Uh, I have a tremendous amount of respect for NOAA. I have a tre tremendous amount of respect for the people who are pushing the petition. Um, other cities have worked through this. Other cities have brought people together and come up with some type of community oversight board. Um, what, what I'm concerned about is that nobody's talking at this point. So I think by signing the petition, if you can um, basically force the issue to go in front of everyone, then maybe people will start actually communicating with each other. The idea that um, we can't bring groups together and actually have the discussion and figure out how to make this work, um, we just – we need to make this work. And um, I think um, – you know, after 11 years on the council, I don't want to kick these things down the road anymore. This is a, pr a problem right in front of us. And um, it's much better for the city as a whole to actually have a conversation and see what we can work out. In terms of um, the situation, yeah, I watched the video. It's, I mean, the whole thing is, is tragic. It's just, it's, it's very, very sad. Um, um, I heard what the mayor said. Uh, the mayor, you know, um, um, called for calmness, you know, um, everybody hold together. Um, I, look, I, I don't want to want to increase any uh, tensions or increase the volatility of, by saying anything. So, um, um, you know, we, we have to get through this and then we'll deal with it. But um, Nashville is a is a, a caring city. I mean, we bring people all together to be a part of this overall community that we love. Um, but we have an issue, and that's why I signed the petition. Um, I think on the other things, we, uh, we have to let the, the process work, and then we figure out where we go from there. But I just um, was not going to say anything that um, was um, – that might be interpreted to increase the volatility of the situation. So you would not agree with Council Lady Weiner that perhaps it's time for a change in leadership of the police department? Well, so what I would say is um, this is um, a difficult situation going on right now in front of us. Of and we let it, uh, you know, we let TBI play do its work. Um, obviously, there are other folks involved. Um Look, I mean, um, I'm a council member at large, so for the last four years I've been traveling around the city um, talking to as many people as possible. That's what an at-large member does. So mm -hmm. I spent a tremendous amount of time in, in all parts of the city, including North Nashville and Bordeaux and Antioch and everywhere else that I can go, Madison. Um, 
I don't want any more volatility. I want people to come together. I want us to figure these things out. Sure. That that said, I mean, it, it pending a potential FOP legal challenge of the referendum, it's set to be on the ballot. And so Council Lady Wiener said, as I heard, planning to vote against it because it goes a little too far. You have some concerns. Councilman Schulman, how do you plan to vote just as a like kind of a private citizen voter? Well, so I signed the petition to put it on. Uh, obviously, there may be some legal issues involved. What I'm what I'm hoping is that this now spurs activity to actually bring people together. Um, we'll see what those legal issues are. But, um, you know, if I'm willing to sign the petition, then at this point I'm willing to, to vote for it. I think uh, it would have been um, – let me put it this way – would have been better if we could have all worked together to come up with some solution, but that wasn't happening. And so, like I said, I've been on the council a long time, and um, the issue is in front of us. We need to deal with it. So you're you're planning to vote yes? I mean, unless there's some uh, legal challenges that, that mean up. that you can't do it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Fair enough. It does seem like a bit of a failure of counsel, to be honest, that the discussion wasn't already happening following the death of Jacques Clemens. There was a push to counsel for uh, community oversight. It stalled out, didn't get support. Clearly, people knew it was an issue. And then that, I think you're totally right, the discussion needs to happen. But it's a bit frustrating that it wasn't already happening for the last 18 months. Well, let me, let me put it this way. And um, and Sherry obviously can chime in. This is where um, this is where we all work together. We work with the mayor. We work with everybody. All of us. We may have differences of opinion on different things, but we're all in this thing together. We want Nashville to be a, a great place to live for everybody. And, you know, it's um, the hard part I think we're running into is that it's very difficult. And um, you could see it yesterday to some extent in the discussions with the soccer vote. It's hard to get people to talk to each other and actually work through compromise. And um, that used to be what was so great. I mean, you could see it in Washington. You could see it everywhere, this idea of working across the aisles, working with other people who have differences of opinion, listening to them and saying, you know what, you may be right. We have to do more of that. And, um, you know, again, uh, whether it's whether it's me or whether it's Sherry, I mean, I, I think we would – you know, hopefully encourage each other to say, try to find ways to push, you know, basically shove sometimes council members to work together. Um, that that concept that used to be there is not as present as it used to be. And I mean, you can say that about nationally as well. I mean, people don't work together and what's the result? Nothing happens. So the idea is we have to work we have to work together. We all have to work together to figure out how you bring people together. Otherwise, we're not going to get anywhere. It's time to get solutions. We we need to work to find answers to these problems. And, and I think it's important to note that when you look at the Community Oversight Board, the the thought process behind it is great. You know, it's much like what I did with the General Hospital Stakeholder Group. It's bringing people of diverse opinions together in order to find common ground and make people work together, you know, and, and get solutions and move forward. 
um, and it's a great idea. It just needs to tone down on its extreme solutions in some instances. Um, and I'm a real proponent. We've got really smart people in that council body, and we've got people who think outside the box, and we've got people who represent all kinds of people in Nashville. And the bottom line, I keep saying the word, people. And instead of talking at each other, we need to sit down and talk with and to each other. There's a big difference there. And I think that if we can change that dynamic in the room and bring people together and really dig in and find the ways that we can make these things work so that everybody's safe, that everybody's protected. No mother should bury her child for any reason. No mother should bury her child. And that is something that we have to be really mindful of as we move forward and look at how to best wrap our arms around this and fix it, because it needs to be fixed. So both of you have mentioned inability for multiple sides to work well together, to talk to each other, sort of the national rhetoric, the divisiveness. This race has gotten a little heated around the issue of party affiliation. Councilman Shulman, your voting history looks like every primary Democrat. Council Lady Wiener, your voting history occasionally Democrat, much more often Republican. People have kind of wanted to paint you as a Republican. Back in the uh, the uh, 2015 mayoral race, it became very partisan between Fox and, and Barry. This, of course, though, it's a nonpartisan office. And so, Council Lady Wiener, and how do you identify as a you know Republican or a Democrat or independent? And then for both of you, do you think that that matters for vice mayor? I'll start. It does not matter. It should not matter. I am as independent as they come. Anybody who knows me, who has watched my work, knows that I work well with others, no matter who they are or where they come from. I am um, fiscally conservative. I am as liberally, I mean, as uh, socially progressive as as can be. Um, I think that my voting record speaks to that. I think that the notion that um, they don't want somebody um, that thinks with both sides of their head and um, looks at things from an issues perspective, and I don't get mired in one direction or the other, and I don't um, tunnel my vision in one direction or the other, um, I think that that's what we need right now is somebody who can can uh, reach out to both sides and have relationships with both sides, which is what I do. Okay. Yeah, so it, it is a nonpartisan race, uh, but there was some confusion at the beginning, and I think maybe that's what spurred the issue. Um, so um, I am a Democrat. Um, I always vote in the Democratic primary, um, give money to the Democratic Party. That's just – that's who I am. I'm, I'm from East Tennessee, which was um, – um, always strongly Republican, um, but um, um, somebody uh, somewhere during this campaign said I was a Republican, and I thought I felt my mother's presence, who passed away 25 years ago. She would come back and haunt whoever said that because um, um, a Democrat. But uh, as Sherry talked about, um, so I've worked in the uh, in and around the state legislature for many many years. I learned a long time ago that if you uh, you can work across the aisles and get so much more done. So uh, I have friends um, 
on both sides of the aisle. Again, this is nonpartisan. It showed up in this race. But, um, you know, the idea is, um, is figuring out ways to work with everybody. How do you, how do you bring people together? If you understand um, issues and you talk and you work through it and you are willing to kind of discuss and compromise, uh, you can work it out. Let me add one thing, Ben, if I can. Um, If you look at the folks that are supporting me, I have support from Democrats, a lot of them, Republicans, not as many, from all walks of life, old, young, men, women, gay, straight. If you look at the list of people that have lined up behind me, it's not just in one direction, and that is a testament to my ability to reach across and be involved with everybody because we're just people. And I assume, of course, same can be said for for Councilman Shulman's supporters. Um, yeah, I actually brought me. a list of people. I'm happy to show it. To you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll put that up there. <laughs> Want to now give each of you the opportunity to ask the other one a uh, question? Talked about a coin flip before, but maybe <laughs> Councilman Shulman, you can go first. All right. So I will say that I thought through this for a while because um, we all tried very hard to get along. I mean, that's we've mm-hmm. been talking for the last, you know, 45 minutes about how we want to bring people together. So I tried to come up with a question, um, certainly with no ill intent, um, but um, you were talking about it before, and um, it um, – it had to do with sort of with soccer, but it was uh, obviously you've been acting vice mayor, but you're still the District 22 council member. So the question is um, you've chosen not to vote um, uh, during that period of time, and the, and the question would be why. So if I'm running the meetings and if we have a tie, then I am not allowed to break that tie. And so it made more sense when we were talking to Mr. Jamison early on that if it's something that's focused on Bellevue, then I definitely vote in that. But if it's not focused on Bellevue, which is the district I represent, then I stand back so that I can fulfill the duties to break a tie. And we had that during the budget, and I had to to break the tie. But I can't have two votes, so I had to pick one way or the other. Insofar as these major issues like the budget, like MLS, if it comes down to it, they know I'm fully prepared to vote. Okay. And then do you have a question for Councilman Schulman? I do. Because I'm not known to be contentious and I steer away from that because I don't think that there's any value in that. Um, I look to my uh, kind of mentor good friend who's left us, um, Senator Henry, and he and I spent many, many hours together. And I'll never forget, he had the opportunity in a debate early on um, to ask a question of his opponent. And instead of being contentious, what he asked was a simple, do you love Tennessee? So in that frame, I'd like to know, do you love Nashville? Uh, Yes, I do. And uh, I I think it's... um Senator Henry was a, a wonderful person. He, he uh, obviously touched um, many people's lives, and um, he was also a mentor and a friend. And um, we miss him. You know, he was um, called him one of the last great um, Southern statesmen. I remember um, 
I remember him walking down. Um, he would always show up at the Whitlam Avenue Parade on the 4th of July, and he wore a, a seersucker suit. And it would be, you know, 115 degrees outside, but he was there. Um, uh, we miss him. Um, I guess now, just before we close out, a um, little two- or three-minute pitch as to why people should vote for you, how your perspective differs, and what you bring to the table. Well, and I appreciate you uh, having us on this. I think it's always helpful to talk about issues, how we plan to run the meetings, all those other things. The reason I got into this race, and again, um, it, it's nothing personal. It, I think I was sitting at a council meeting, and um, we were um, going on and on about certain things, and um, I became aware that, um, again, after serving eight years as a district council member and three years as an at-large we didn't seem to be making much headway on some of the issues that I thought were most important. And, and we bring legislation. We all do. Sherry does, I do, to, to deal with some of these things. But we can't seem sometimes to get focused the way we want to. And I think it was at that point that I, I went back and said, maybe by showing the leadership necessary to, from the vice mayor's chair to lead and direct the council to work more as a body, talked to somebody yesterday who was saying council seems to be all over the place. I mean, again, we're, we've got very, very sharp people on this council, but, you know, instead of working separately, we need to work together. The idea was to um, bring people together, but then also to um, focus in on the last year of this term and figure out what is, what do we want to talk about? So um, we had this council retreat, and one of the things that um, I was working on was uh, I gave him a piece of paper and said, you know, what do you want to um, – if, if we were to end the council term today, what, what would we be remembered for? And then another piece of paper that said, what do you want to be remembered for at the end of this council term? Um, we need to refocus on that. We've got one year left to complete this council term. So what is it that we want to focus in? on. You know, is it, uh, we've got an affordable task force, uh, affordable housing task force. Uh, they can continue to do the work, but what are those other issues we, we want to deal with? Uh, is it traffic congestion? You know, we've got to, we've got to work, we've got to continue work on transit, but is it traffic congestion? Is it making sure we get those lights synchronized? Um, is it trying to deal with how we synchronize those lights or deal with all the traffic downtown? Um, can we come up with more right-hand turns? What is it that we want to do? What are those issues we want to focus on? And then what are we going to do about it? I think part of it is, besides just focusing, it's determining action steps and then getting those things done. And we've got one year left to do it. A um, couple of things that I'm obviously very interested in, um, school safety. Uh, I think we need to be talking to the school board and figuring out capital needs if our schools need that type of work. Um, I both, I, Sherry and I both share the same um, understanding on the budget. The budget was so difficult last time. Um, we were not able to provide COLA raises for our employees, and we weren't fully able to fund education. The budget process starts right now. It has to. We cannot be waiting until next May to start trying to figure this stuff out. And one of the things that we don't do is um, talk about revenues and expenses throughout the year and make sure that we're you know, openly talking to council members and saying, we're either on the right track or we're not, or we need to be worried because we need to be figuring some of this stuff out. Um, there are so many other issues, contract procurement, 
you know, John Cooper has talked about this Blue Ribbon Commission, which I think is a good idea. Uh, I'm actively engaged in homelessness issues. Uh, let's figure out what we want to do, and then let's get them done. Um, this is a good council. Again, very good people on it. We need to refocus. We've got one year left. We need to figure out what we want to do, and then we need to get it done. Um, Look, I've, I've been in, in chairman of the Budget Committee, the Transportation Committee, Public Works, um, the Rules Committee. I, I know how to run these things and um, also know how to – I've been spent, spent 30 years of my career f focusing on problem solving. And that's why I'm running, and I would certainly appreciate uh, people's consideration and their vote. Uh, you can certainly take a look at uh, my website and see who I am, and um, I really want to see this city be better. I think we all want good things for Nashville, and I think we need to focus on what we need and not what we want. I think um, when I use my lens of the way I look at things insofar as a um, good decision-making process, I look at how you run a business, and that's actually what I do day in and day out as I take struggling medical practices and turn them around. And we're struggling right now in a lot of areas. And when I was sworn in in March, I really only anticipated being here and finishing out my term as pro tem. And as the months went on, and especially during the budget process, I sat back and I said, it's not about what I want to do. It's about what I should do. And it's about me taking the skills that I have and helping f move the council in the direction that we need to go and looking at the things that we need to address, um, the budget, transit, getting our house in order, making sure that we're making good concrete business decisions when it comes to vetting proposals and incentive deals, making sure that we find opportunities to diversify our revenue portfolio, making sure that we help those that find themselves in difficult circumstances, um, the homeless, the formerly homeless, um, looking at, and I've, I served on the Homelessness Commission for a while, um, making sure that we do the things that are respectful to our taxpayers, making sure that we create wellness opportunities. Uh, we do not have the healthiest of cities, and having served on the Healthy Nashville Leadership Council and on the Diversity Council for Nashville as well under two mayors, um, I've seen that there's a real need for greater focus on both of those things. And so to be able to bring a diverse population together to have those hard conversations and help the council come together. It was my idea to have the retreat. We did that within the first three weeks of my stepping into this role because if you can't talk to one another, then you're going to sit in a room and talk at each other, and, and that's just not productive. And so um, I think it's really important that we have somebody in that role. Um, you're welcome to check out my website, sherryweiner.com one letter of each. If there are any questions or anything, I'm I'm happy to answer them. Just give me a call at 615-347-7544. Fantastic. Well, thanks again for both of you for coming on the podcast and everyone go vote on September 6th. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for doing this. 